Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fellowship Greenville Student Ministry Podcast. This week we've got a standalone message, and one of our former students, JJ Bunny, is teaching about the idea of patience. As he navigates the topic, JJ poses the question, what if the role of patience is not to get us to the goal of what we're waiting for, but to prepare us for it all along? What if in the waiting there lies a gift that mysteriously helps us become more like Jesus? As we look into the scriptures, we see that waiting is a key theme for God's people. So let us come with prepared hearts and open ears to hear what the Lord has to say. We hope you enjoy this message. I am JJ Bunny. I am a FGS volunteer, and I am so excited to be here with you guys. I lead uh, an 11th grade small group and a 7th grade small group, but um, sometimes I get the opportunity to come up here and speak to you guys, and this is one of my favorite things that I get to do. So I thank Matt, I thank the FGS team for being gracious enough to let me do this, and tonight I'm going to be talking about patience. Um, And before I start, I don't want anybody to think that I am the master of patience, because if you know me, you know this is something that I would love to get better at too. This is something that I respect very highly, and I think I respect it so much because it's rare. Uh, But before I get into it, I just want to show a quick video of how bad I can be at patience sometimes. So let's go ahead and pull that up. I'll let it speak for itself. There, there I am. Um, yeah, dude, I was done. Uh, we, we'd woken up at 4.30 in the morning to drive out there to fish, and I was fishing with my good buddy Logan. That's the guy who was taking the video. And he was catching all the fish, and I wasn't catching anything. And I was like, I'm taking a nap because I'm getting cranky. So patience is hard for me just as hard as it is for everybody else. Um, And I respect it so much, and I want to get better at patience. I want to get better at practicing this quality that I feel like breeds so much wisdom and so much love for other people. And when I think about patience, I think of a specific story that um, in my life that has happened over this summer. Uh, I went on a mission trip uh, to Mississippi. Shout out Mississippi gang. Love you guys. It was a great trip. And, but in the midst of, oh, and by the way, side advertisement, go on the mission trips. Applications are up. You won't want to miss those. They're enriching experiences. They're great experiences. They're great opportunities to serve, apply for the mission trips. But in the midst of that, I was, we were in Jackson, Mississippi. We were serving at a church there doing VBS. And in the afternoons, we were, had an opportunity to help paint this house, which was really cool. And so we partnered with a lot of cool ministries there. But in, in the midst of all that, one of the first nights there, I was struggling with some frustration. Um, I was feeling some kind of conviction, but I didn't really know how to discern what it was. I very much could not understand. I didn't have clarity on it. And so I was both frustrated with myself because I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to let go, relinquish my control, and let God take over. But also in that, I was frustrated with God. Because I didn't feel like he was giving me the clarity that I wanted. And in the midst of this, I, would, I went 
and isolated myself. When I'm frustrated, I isolate myself. Few of my friends know that very well, but I don't usually isolate myself. That's a pretty uncommon thing for me to do. I love being around people. I'm usually with the, the group, but I went and isolated myself. I went and just shot a basketball for a while, but I'm not good at basketball. So it ended up being more like me just like chucking the ball at the backboard and getting even more frustrated because I was making a single shot. Um, but I guess I just wanted to pull out like my inner Troy Bolton and like shoot some frustrated basketball or something like that. I, I don't know, but I was frustrated. And so my first instinct was go, go over here. There's nobody over here. I'm just gonna shoot some hoops. And I guess one of the leaders on that trip named Chris Pot. He was on this trip and he noticed me away from the group. And he knew me well enough to know that was atypical for me. And so he actually walked over and at first he didn't even say anything. All he did was go over to the hoop and he was just getting my rebounds and passing it back to me. And then as we began to start talking a little bit, he asked me, he said he could tell I was frustrated he asked me if I wanted to talk about it. And so we walked outside, and for about an hour, we walked around this church we were serving at, where we were staying, and we just, we just talked. And probably about 80% of that conversation was me talking, and 20% was him. And I just thought, I had never had somebody listen to me that well. Because every time I would talk, it wasn't like he would just talk right after me or he, would, he didn't interrupt me at all. He, usually, there was about 15 seconds of silence between me talking and him talking. And in that, I could both tell that he was truly listening to me and he cared what I had to say and he wanted to think enough about what he had to say back to me so it could be a wise response that could actually help me. Instead of just being a prideful response, he let the spirit guide him in what he was saying. And he had patience enough to let the spirit guide instead of him just thinking he had all the answers. And truly to this day, like that is probably one of the biggest examples of patience I can think of that I've ever experienced. Because he was slow to speak, and even at the beginning, he didn't come in and try to fix everything immediately and be like, hey, dude, I can tell you need to talk about something, let's talk. He was like, hey, I'm just gonna be here for you and get your rebounds, and if you wanna talk about it, I'm here. And as silly as that may sound, I thought that was a beautiful picture of what patience looks like. And truthfully, I think that's very, very rare today. And when we look around at our culture, it's weird that that's rare because patience is so glorified in the way we speak. From a time, the time we're a child, we're told these phrases such as, how many of y'all have heard the phrase, patience is a virtue? <laughs> Literally every single one of you in this room. Patience is a virtue. But usually that's not a wise sentence that someone gives you in a time when you really need to hear it. Usually it's just like this snarky response when your friend wants you to shut up and like wait for what they have you doing. Like, it's never this serious response. And can any of you even tell me what a virtue is? Because I could probably give you a little bit of a definition based on the way that's used in context. But other than that, I don't really have any idea what a virtue means in the dictionary definition of sorts. 
And then when we see it played out in our everyday life, it's like, hey, patience is a virtue unless you're stuck behind the garbage truck and it's stopping every block and you have five minutes to get to school. Patience is a virtue unless you're sitting in the drive-through and there's nobody else even there, but somehow it's taking 15 minutes for you to get your food and it's been a long day and you're just trying to get home and sleep. It seems like patience is a virtue unless we have something better to be doing. Let me give you another example. How many of you have heard the phrase, good things come to those who wait? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure a lot of you have. Good things come to those who wait. Now that's a great phrase and there's a lot of truth in that sentence. But I feel like our culture has turned this into a matter of there's a gift at the end and if you just wait, I know you have to wait, that, that's not the best. I, I wouldn't wanna wait, but it's gonna be worth it because there's gonna be something at the end. But what if the wait in and of itself ends up being the gift? What if that, in addition to what you get at the end, is a gift? That's a gift in and of itself. Let me paint you a picture of what I'm talking about. So recently I have gotten into hunting a little bit. And it's, I very much enjoyed it. And the, um, the time I've gone, it was very enjoyable for a lot of reasons. I got my first buck and that was super exciting. But... There was no, it's not like I just got up there, got in the stand, saw one immediately, and then I was out of there. <laughs> I got there, and out, we got there about an hour before sunrise. I was with my good buddy, Mr. Hopper. <laughs> thank you, Tommy, thank you. And we got there about an hour before sunrise, which was at about 6.45. We climbed up in the stand. We were sitting there until about 9 a.m., Yeah, that's a long time, right? But would it still have been enjoyable for me to get that buck if I was up in the stand for five minutes? 100% it would have. I would have had fun. I would have loved getting that buck. I would have taken my pictures. I would have gotten excited. My adrenaline still would have been going. But in the midst of that, on the way there, I was able to spend time in creation. We were at the top of this hill in a deer stand that was elevated and we could see the tree line for miles. We got there before sunrise, so we were able to watch the sun rise. It was beautiful. And then I was also with Mr. Hopper and we were able to just have some conversations together and we were just able to spend time together. And all of that two hours, if I would have just gotten there and gotten the buck immediately and then headed out, I would have missed out on this gift of quality time in creation, quality time with Mr. Hopper. That time that I had to wait to get the buck at the end was a gift in and of itself. So somewhere along the way, we've heard these phrases from the time we were kids, and then we've been thrown into this culture where we have tons of extracurriculars, we have school, we have homework to do, and by the way, I have to find time to sleep, eat, and do it all again tomorrow. So somewhere along the way, we've decided that this patience idea isn't really worth it. 
I don't have time for patience. I gotta go to school, and then once I get out of school, I got immediate swim practice after that. Then I got a student government meeting, beta club meeting, and then after that, I have a band concert to go to. And then after I get home, I have a couple essays to write. I have to find time to eat, and I gotta find time to sleep before I do it all again in the morning. Wow. It's a crazy life. <laughs> it's busy. But in the midst of that, in those periods of waiting, we feel like having patience is actually just slowing us down. I can't have patience. Patience makes me slow. Patience makes me inefficient. And I need to go fast. I need to be efficient. Because I have a lot of stuff to get done. But what if patience is worth it? What if this idea of patience isn't something that we should dread, but it, those periods of waiting throughout the day are actually gifts from God in which we're able to slow down for a second, separate ourselves from the rest of the world that's just going, 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 refocus our mind on the Father, take a second to breathe, and just enjoy a time to rest. Because we so rarely get to do that. What if those times in and of themselves are a gift? In fact, we see this all throughout the Bible. We see periods of waiting all throughout the Bible. The entire Old Testament is a story of God's faithfulness in pursuing his people in the midst of his people running the other direction. And it starts out with God creating this beautiful creation in which heaven is on earth and he gives Adam and Eve one commandment. And when they break that one commandment, he continues to pursue them. And as humanity comes, becomes wicked, he raises up a man named Abraham who didn't even actually believe in him at first, but he made a promise to Abraham that he would have numerous descendants and that he would have land for them to dwell in and that they would become a great nation and then they would have the presence of God among them. And then as we go, Abraham's descendants multiply and they became the great nation of Israel. And then they become enslaved by Egypt and we see that we think all hope is lost, but God raises up a man named Moses to say in the name of God, let my people go. And God raises up 10 plagues and splits uh, the Red Sea to make sure that his people are safe. And then he gives them the ultimate example of love in the law and making a covenant relationship with them. And they break that covenant, but God continues to pursue them. And then they continue. And as they're at the brink of the promised land, God gives them clear instructions on what to do. And they enter the promised land and don't follow the instructions. But God continues to pursue them. And because they didn't follow the instructions, the humanity becomes wicked. And when humanity becomes wicked, God, in his just nature, must raise up. He raises up nations to judge them. But they cry out for mercy. And God raises up these judges to defend Israel and save them from the oppressive nations. And over and over again, God is saving his people even though they are running the other direction and they're being unfaithful to him. And then we get kings and we see David and Solomon and God makes a promise to David that he will have a great line and his, king, his kingship shall reign forever. He, he will have a son who will have, he, all of his sons will reign in the kingdom. And from then on, his bloodline shall reign. And one day down the line, there will be a king who will reign forever. A Messiah who will redeem all of creation. And then we see 
David and Solomon write these beautiful books of Psalms and Proverbs where they're displaying God's beauty and God's wisdom. And we're seeing all of this because God is pursuing his people. And then we continue to go through and we see these prophets paint this beautiful picture of this Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, Emmanuel, God with us. He is going to come and he is going to be the king that will reign forever. And he will redeem all of creation and he will save us from our sin and he will redeem us. And then as the kingdom of Israel is being rebuilt at the end of the Old Testament, just as it feels like we're about to get the Messiah, as it feels like we're about to get that everlasting king that we've been waiting for, we get 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. After the Old Testament ends, we get 400 years before Jesus is ever born. And it's like, God, I thought that was it. I thought that's when the king was gonna come. We were rebuilding the kingdom. We need a king. And then one night, under a star that no one's ever seen before, there's a baby crying, surrounded by animals, being taken care of by a 14-year-old girl who has no idea what she's doing. And somehow we're supposed to believe that that was the best way, that was the best way for Jesus to come. Not when we had a kingdom, now we're oppressed by Rome and you send a baby? You could have come as a fully grown male, Jesus, but no, you came as a baby. We have to wait 30 more years before you can even do anything. But that's not the response we see when Jesus is born. You would expect a response of, how are we supposed to use a baby? How is this baby going to save the world? But no, when we read the responses of people in the birth story of Jesus, we see joy. And we see that they were so expectant of Jesus' coming that they were prepared for what it would be like. They were prepared for the beauty in it. And I think Mary has a beautiful example of this as we look at Luke 1, 46. So Luke Luke 1, 46 through 55 is a song that Mary sings after she is told that she will give birth to Jesus. This is a story, just after she's told, she sings this song. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. For he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. See, it seems like Mary understands here that God was preparing them in all of the Old Testament, in all of the promises that we see she mentions Abraham, And all of the promises that God made to humanity, he was preparing them to receive this king, this baby. 
And there's so much expectance there. And if there was not that period of waiting, we, they wouldn't be so expectant. They wouldn't be so ready for their king. If he would have just come immediately, they would never know their need for Jesus. If they would not have been able to see the, um, the multiple times where God was pursuing them and they were running the other direction, they would never know how much they truly need him. That waiting was a gift in itself. They were all being prepared to receive what they were given. And I think that's true of our lives today too. See, Jesus didn't only just come as a baby. He then grew up and had a kingdom that was so upside down, nobody understood it. And then he continued and ended up dying on a cross and everybody was like, why is our king dying? I thought he was the one. I thought he was supposed to be the Messiah to redeem us. I thought he was going to save us from Rome. But he ended up being a spiritual savior when they wanted a worldly conquering king. And because of that, he died and resurrected, and now he has given us the gift of eternal life with him, eternal presence with him. And now because of that, we can accept Jesus into our hearts and we will be granted his presence for eternity. But when we accept Jesus, we don't just immediately go to heaven. We have a whole life ahead of us. See, our entire lives, from the moment we accept Jesus to the moment we die, are a, is a period of waiting. We are waiting to be in the presence of God forever. But does that mean our lives are completely worthless and there's something we should dread? We should dread the rest of our life because we're just waiting for what's at the end. Of course, what's at the end is better. Eternal presence of God, being in the eternal presence of God is so much better. But all along the way, God is preparing us to receive that. Preparing us to be able to understand that. Preparing us to be able to have joy in that. And our lives can be such a gift to other people if we so choose. If you share the good news with other people, you are act your life of waiting is actually a gift to other people. See, what I think Mary understood and I think what we need to understand in our lives is that God uses periods of waiting to prepare us for that which we're waiting for. The end isn't the only point. We have so much here and now that we can be a part of. So as you look at your life and you see there's, a lot of, there's probably a lot of stuff. You got school. You got church on Sundays. You probably got a couple extracurriculars thrown there, in there. I know you got homework. There's some stuff you're never going to be able to get rid of. Just because you want to be able to practice patience a little bit more this week, you can't go home and just be like, hey, mom, I think I need to practice some patience. I'm just going to take the day off school. That's not how this works, and I didn't say that. So none of you go home and tell your parents that's what I said because I don't, I don't want an email this week. But the thing is, those are not the things we have to surrender in the midst of your life, I'm sure you have many gaps of time 
that seem kind of stagnant, that seem like you're just waiting. Whether it's in the grocery store line or whether it's waiting for food in the drive-thru or maybe you're just driving, waiting to get where you're going to go. In the midst of those times, we need to learn how to slow down and actually rest and refocus our minds on the Father. Those periods of waiting, although they can seem dreadful, may actually be one of the best gifts God gives us every day. An opportunity to rest. An opportunity to converse with him. And as you look at your life, try to find, if you want to get better at patience, try to find those times during the day when you feel like you're hurried. Where you feel like you just don't know how to slow down. Where you feel like you're getting agitated or you're getting stressed out. Look at those moments. Reflect on your day. Look back on what those moments were. Look back on what triggered that kind of emotion. And in those moments, try to catch yourself. Take a deep breath and refocus on the Father. See, I think patience is so worth it because it not only breeds patience. Patient, with patience, you don't only get patience. With patience, I think you breed wisdom because you actually think long enough about what you have to say that you don't just blurt out random words, the first things that come to your head. I think with patience, you breed love because you finally figure out how to think before you speak and actually use words that are build people up instead of tear them down. I think within patience, you breed obedience because you're finally willing to submit to God's plans for your life and continue through that and know that this might be better if I wait. This may be better if I do it now. You learn to have discernment in your life. You learn to have love. You learn to be wise. That's why patience is worth it. Because patience can show you that the, the gifts of every day are the periods of waiting. So in those moments when you feel like you're just waiting around, pay attention because God might be doing something, and if you're moving too fast to see it, you just might miss it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much that we have the opportunity to just gather here together um, and celebrate the anniversary of the King coming, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor, the ultimate example of patience and wisdom. Thank you for sending him. Thank you for giving him as a gift. But Lord, even more than that, thank you for providing eternal life and providing opportunities for us to practice patience in our own lives. For us to know that even though we are waiting for something greater to come, that this life is a beautiful thing. You have given us opportunities to laugh, opportunities to cry even. Times when 
it may feel like the world is heavy, but you are constantly preparing us all along the way to receive eternal presence with you. And Lord, we thank you for that and thank you for the little gifts you give us every day. In your name we pray. Amen.